Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about hemp. Don't smoke it, but can we profitably grow it? All right, and it, today as we're going through, we're going to talk about hemp. We're going to spotlight Tilth Research, a new venture for our company. In our Ag History Minute, we'll talk about hemp in Wisconsin and that it's really not that new of a thing. Uh, we'll have a shoot shout out to our uh, correspondent shoot in outstanding in our field. We're not going to shoot, shoot our Yeah, uh, nobody's <laughs> getting shot. Let the KO too, okay corral. Too, too soon, too soon. Uh, and uh, we'll have our You Applied What segment. We're going to talk about some different chemicals. So to get started, we'll introduce everybody with me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Todd Schomburg. Hey, Matt. Uh, special guest, Jim West. Hello, everybody. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. Uh, so our guest today, Jim, is filling in for Max, who's at a conference. And Jim is an associate agronomist with Tilth Agronomy, so welcome aboard. I'll do my best freedom imitation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll look forward to it. <clears throat> <laughs> so how about those badgers, Bill? They're feeling good, I guess. You know, not the outcome we wanted in the championship game the first quarter was amazing for the first half was amazing and i heard uh one of the ohio state guys say yeah we just decided to show up in the second half so (laughs) i don't know if they were just playing with us in the first half or or what but um good consolation prize i guess uh yeah tickets to the rose bowl that's that's basically a home game for for wisconsin yeah yep camp randall west they call it so beginning of the year would you guys have been happy with this outcome yeah Yes, Rose Bowl. Yeah, would be yeah I think Rose Bowl is a good outcome. Yeah. I think most people would be, especially yeah. the way the defense played last year. It wasn't the dominating defense they had the previous two years, and kind of this year they kind of got back to that. Let's be real; we probably won't unless they make it an eight-team national championship bracket. We probably won't get in in the four-team. So this is pretty much the top yeah. that we could expect. Yeah, and it's a bowl with still some prestige left to it. Yeah, also, I mean, and you're playing a pack, you know, a pack twelve team. Yeah, so it's, it's you're not a, playing some. It's always Oregon, dumb TCU always. thing, you mm-hmm. know, and some weird. So it's a. I I went once when it was ninety nine Rose Bowl, ninety nine season. I don't remember. It was the first Ron Dane Rose Bowl, and it's. I mean, the venue and the it's, it's amazing. So it's it is a bucket lister thing, for a Big Ten fan, probably. So have we heard anything about the Oregon's uniforms? I haven't. It sounds like they're not going to do the chrome like they did the last time. Won't be the bright, shiny. Yeah. That's all right. Yep. So anyway. All right. So excited. with 11 more shopping days till Christmas, because if, like, if you're like me, <laughs> you shop on Christmas Eve. Uh, <clears throat> well, not anymore. I used to all the time. That Amazon won't ship it that quick. No, no. So no these days you've got to give it a, at least a couple days yeah. away now. But... Uh, but yeah, you, how are uh, how are you guys doing on your Christmas shopping? Getting there? Or? We're doing good. Probably the best we've ever done, actually. So yeah, Ooh, Mr. Show Off. Oh, yeah, no, I I don't do much of that. But Jim does. Does your wife do all? Yeah, sorry. How are your wives? Or, yeah, how are your yeah. wives doing on Christmas? Shopping? Um, no, she doesn't really do much shopping at all. No, yeah, especially this year she's working. Oh like, yeah, uh, until Christmas. So, yeah, so it's all. So on you're me. on the hook. Yeah, I'm gonna start it pretty soon. Start it good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just take your kids with you and just have them say, "This is what I want." Right? Yeah, it's all the. Gonna the, start writing the checks out, Jim. Just you know, Jim, right. your kids Merry are older. Though. That's when they want like bigger stuff. Like 
Well, no, that's when they have to expect less stuff. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> they, they don't need don't. anything. No. So it's, it's hard to buy for them. Yeah. Right? So. Do you do much online shopping? Yes. Oh, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Sweet. But, I mean, that's why I have to budget it. So Christmas starts like four or five days before that because you have to get you it shipped. shipped. So. Yeah. Right. You can't just go, oh, crap, I need this. Do you guys still right. feel guilty, right. like, doing it that way on Amazon and... I don't do. Like we don't do like all a, of our shopping. No, we don't Amazon, either. But, but like, it's just you mean like because the big boxes are gone, like to Toys R Us, kind of like right. I mean, just like it's yeah. still like. Feel I, like I do remember to... like my childhood of, it was always fun to go to Green Bay to Toys R Us, like that was a good day. Like the store is amazing. My yeah. kids won't have that now because, no. Fleet Farms just, got Toyland. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and my kids are just happy at any store to walk through the top, the toy aisle, especially Target. For some reason, they they like wandering the aisle, the aisles there. So, and, and that kind of makes shopping for you guys easier, right? Because if you can walk through there and see what the kids like, right? There you go. No, right. So, mm. and then you just check on your phone to see if it's cheaper on Amazon. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> we, which which now it, actually it isn't as much anymore. No. It, it, right. You know, a lot of these stores watch Amazon too, and so a lot of I prices suppose. are comparable. What we found was we were doing a not Christmas but Halloween a, a outfit or a costume, and like we were just watching it, watching it, and we're we're lazy about getting it or whatever. And the closer it got to to Halloween, the more expensive yeah the costume got. So it's mm. like we should have bought just it bought a, right two away. weeks ago. All right. We went Black Friday at night, not at, which is awesome because all the crazies are gone, and then the store people just look. Dead. Yeah, they look <laughs> tired and haggard. Yeah, really tired, but but it's like less busy and it was great. But we went to get a a toy for one of our kids that was supposed to be there and said it was there. And like one of the Target guys is like, well, yeah, I just looked one up for somebody else and we can't find them. So we bought it like in the store online on our phone for yeah. the same price. And it on came on Amazon. And, yeah, well, no, it was through Target. The Target online, still, sure. but. Yeah, it's just weird too buying things at the store on your phone now. And I would say most of the big box stores that are left are have adapted to the online. Like Target's got it. Walmart is yeah very competitive yep. with Amazon right now. Um, so they're they're adapting to the situation rather than you know some of the ones like Shopko that went out that really didn't adapt to the situation. And the return of layaway is what really is kind of blowing me away. Yeah, layaway. Uh, that that yeah, was the well. thing when we were kids, and then it kind of went away, and now it's coming back. So, in the age of I want it now, let's buy it and put it away till Christmas, right? Like that just is foreign these days. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. So, well, with that, let's get to it. Today we're going to talk about industrial hemp. So. Not a good idea to smoke it. You'd probably die from smoke inhalation before you get any benefit. Uh, but a lot of farms are looking to grow it. It's been a thing the last two years, I would say. Um, been a hot topic. Uh, we've had a few guys kind of play with it, and that's why we brought Jim in. Jim went to a hemp comp, or uh, well, it was one day hemp meeting. Was it this that, l- last week? Yeah, last week, Wednesday. Um, so yeah, so we thought that'd be a good time to bring Jim in and have him talk a little bit about what he learned. Um, so end types, as far as, you know, what are we doing with the hemp is a lot of it's CBD or seed. Um, I think those are the main, main things you look at. There is some like rope and other stuff that that's there, but that's it, not as much in agricultural concern. seems like most of it's the CBD, 
or seed market. So um, how do we market this product? How do we market it? Ooh, word of mouth is a big thing now, right? Everybody's heard of CBD. Everybody knows where to get it. Um, they did say at that conference that 92% of this hemp in Wisconsin is CBD. That much? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Isn't so that a lot? <coughs> that yeah, is a that's lot. a lot, yeah. <coughs> yeah. That just shows, too, where the money's at and where the market is. You know, what What you said, how do you market it? It's like, well, that's the number one thing is just find somewhere to sell it. Right, right. And that's a huge issue right now. It's a, it's a very much so a buyer's market at this point. Um, there were 450 or so people at this conference, and the vast majority of them had stuff to sell. There were very few buyers there, so... It was an interesting dynamic. It's interesting when we're getting pushed to, hey, you should grow it and try it, or we're not maybe being pushed, but we're used to growing corn or soybeans or a different product where there's a lot of places to market it, a lot, a lot. You know, you could go anywhere and look at corn this year where elevators are given half-price drying, and it was just very much um, helpful to the sellers and more of a, you know, that way. Um, well, right. right. I mean, it's it's, it's just, not a commodity, so it's really hard to price it. Right. You know, and, right. Um, oh, absolutely. Was the the and you or the buyer there? Were they like the stores themselves, or was it like a broker that would buy it and then distribute it? Um, I know the stores were there. I'm not sure if they were brokers. I didn't talk to many buyers. They weren't. Maybe that's that what we should get into there. is brokering. Brokering. There's probably a need for that right now. So. I know in the initial year it was so hard to find out where to even take it. Like nobody knew there yeah. wasn't the buyer end wasn't really advertising like, "Hey, bring your hemp here." Mm-hmm. It was you had to search them out and and find them. Is, is that changing, Jim? From no, what? I think that's still accurate. And now, okay. like the processors will be saying, "Hey, take your hemp here, and we can process it." But then they will take a portion of it for their fee, and they will give it back to the grower. Okay. And they're saying, well, it's still your problem to sell it. Sell it. So, wow. so they'll process it for you. Right. Right. And, and that, but it won't. Wow. Wow. So the money is probably processing it yourself, right? Having the means no, to No, I do wouldn't that. even say that if you can go to a processor. Wouldn't it be marketing it yourself? But that would yeah. be a tough one, too, to go have a line of CBD oils and try to market it. But there, too, gets into a tricky part of. Uh, food grade versus um, non. Did they talk about that, Jim? Yeah, they did. And there's they talked about labeling laws and things like yeah. that. So um, not all of those people were there to consult with, but um, it is an issue. But just briefly to say what is CBDs being market not food grade, then you don't have to meet any sort of standard and you can just sort of say, yeah, there's benefits to it. Or if you want to say it as a food or food grade, then it, that's a whole different you know, ball game where you're talking like almost like a medicine or something like that. And that's, that's tricky. So the, the holistic type of approach is probably the right one. Yeah. Um, as far as regulation goes, would they talk about much about that, Jim? I mean, I know, uh, initially being a, was it a schedule three? Is that the, it's the same as marijuana. Initially, that was why it was so hard to get started was you had to have a permit from DEA because it's a controlled yep. substance. Right. Um, so you had to buy this permit, which I, if I remember right, was somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 bucks just to have a permit to grow it and then, um, you know, go from there. So they talk much about the regulation into things at the, the meeting you were at? Um, yeah, a little bit about um, the licensing and how many people have, like, applied for licenses. 
So like after 2000 or before 2018, or maybe it was in 2018, there were, oh, I don't remember the number, but the number stayed pretty constant from year to year. Oh wait, no. Th from the first year to the second year, the number doubled. And so from the second year to the third year, now they don't expect much of an increase. Okay. And I'm thinking that's a lot to do with the market at this point. It seems like the market is maybe saturated. Um, there's a lot of people there that had plants in their freezer. There were guys complaining because they didn't have room for their deer. So oh, <laughs> sure, they're, they're <laughs> sitting on supply. Yeah, yeah that's right. a big issue. Um, and there's um, some concern there. A lot of people have it hanging in their barns, and there's concern that it's going to mold and, and different things like that, so it's not properly dried. Sure. Um, so it's kind of a tricky crop to, to grow. Well, yeah, and then you have the THC content, which has to be monitored. Is that... In season testing, do they talk about that? Like, how who checks for the THC? Is the farmer responsible for that, or is it so regulatory? Or the the statutes say that you have to check it. You have to notify that cap thirty days before you harvest, so that they okay. can set up a um, appointment to come out and take their samples. Um, and then it's a little while after that before you get the sample results back. Um, so then if you're harvesting in the meantime, you don't know if you've actually passed the THC requirements or not. So that sucks. Yeah, that's a pretty So can you window. test on your own if you want? You can. You can test on your own. There was a couple of labs there uh, marketing that, but it's an added cost, of right. course. And, and some of these plots are, f or plots are fairly small. So if you test a one-acre plot with, you know, 800 plants three times, you know, you could be, <laughs> you know, you're, you're kind of adding up your... You're, you're losing your profitability there, right? Yeah. Right. Oh. And what what happens if the THC is too high? Is it just destruction, or what do they have um, to do with then it? Then you get a notice of destruction from okay. from DATCAP. You have to destroy it and verify that you destroyed it. So what are the means of destruction? Um, a lot of times it is burning. Yeah, just yeah. piling up so, and burning. Um, you can just plow it under, also, so depending on the size of it. So, so that's a fine line there of making sure that you get them. To test it, uh, I'd be worried that dead cap would take too long to get the test back. Yeah, and that was a concern. And they said last year a couple times there were some misunderstandings, and they actually harvested the plant before they tested it. And that's a, a no-no. That's a big no-no, yeah, for sure. You can't do that. Um, and the other tricky part about the THC is that the THC levels change with the maturity they, of the Typically crop. they rise, right, as it matures more? Yeah, but I guess it's not uncommon for it to it's rise and fall. Yeah, okay. So um, you're testing it during the season. So you have an independent lab come in and test it during the season. It's just over the 0.3 threshold. Um, sometimes if you wait, it'll come back down. So and, and the scary part is we don't know a lot about the plant because it was a Schedule One drug for so long, there was no research that was allowed to be done with it. Um, so we don't know exactly what makes the THC rise and what makes it fall. Uh, a lot of it is um, For disease. Fertility? Nitrogen has yeah, a lot to yeah. do with that, doesn't yes, it? Yes, stress in general. You know, whether, okay. it's, whether it's drought stress or disease. Water or stress fertility. like this year? Yeah, yeah. water stress this year is, was an issue, yeah. So. so the timing of that test is pretty critical as far as, I mean, and then there's no, from what it sounds like, there's no good way of really knowing what the right time to test that is. Right, right. And I asked, like, what percentage failed, and it was like 15%. So it's not nothing, and that's fifteen percent of a very valuable crop. You know? Right. So, and if it fails, it's the whole crop. Can you failed. see that fifteen percent? Somewhat shocking and eye-opening because 
Correct. That means 15% of people planted it, did everything, and got goose egg. Right, right. Before right. all the marketing problems, before yeah. all the other stuff. So if Correct. that 15% so, didn't have a goose egg, that put that much more stress more, on the marketing. It could. Too, I'm just right? even saying mm-hmm. that if you're looking to, if you're thinking about growing it, is the risks involved are just there's a lot. Well, you think know, about got, like our conventional ways of what we've been doing, right? With corn and beans, we always know that it, unless we have a, a drought and it just doesn't produce, you know, 9.9.999 times out of 10, there's going to be something there to sell. It might not be the right moisture. It might cost well, us a little bit more to get rid of it. Might get docked for but, whatever. But we never, but you never, never light a match to yeah, it. Yeah, we, we don't destroy it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because it didn't meet some regulatory you know, requirement that, that just blows me away. So, um, and Bill, I know you've worked with some growers that have done it. Um, and Jim too, you can both kind of, you know, comment on this. Are growers having success? And and if so, what, what, what have they seen as, um, the positives or what, what's working out there, I guess, as far as what you guys have seen? I think the guys are having success that are being proactive about, about marketing and then learning from their mistakes the one grower went from a big big field to um, a lot of smaller fields that they could manage a little bit better smaller plots uh, the other grower that jim and i work with uh, i don't think has had his second year now had planted it and last year he didn't harvest and the field he planted on this year three quarters of it was underwater all year and i don't think the hemp plants got taller than knee high so I don't think that's going to really help. I don't think he's going to make any money on it this year either. So it's it's about finding the right field. Um, I expected it to be bigger, more robust plant um, than it turned out. Maybe it's just because of the soil we put it in. Um, and I think what you're planting it for makes a difference, true. too. If you're planting it for seed or grain, it's going to be smaller. Yeah. Um, but these... <coughs> CBD objectives are a larger plant that they're looking for a large flower. So. Yeah, and that, the ones, the one farm, it's all seed, so it's it's right. they planted very thick and it didn't bush out like I expected it to. So, but I think the other farm that's really having success has found a way to process and sell. You know, so basically from the ground all the way to the customer, they're in control. So it's a lot more work, but I would imagine the payout. Is better, sure. Vertical and, integration, and and you're aware of your risk as, as right. far all the way along. You don't, you are not waiting on someone else for, um, for some aspect of it until you get to the the actual sale, um, which is nice. So I, I think we've talked a lot of, about some of the pitfalls. Um, is have you guys seen one way or the other? You know, is CBD the way to go? Seed, the horse apiece. What's, what do you see mm. on that end? Mm. I think. The other thing, too, that I was at a conference last summer, excuse me, last winter, and it was a national conference, so there was guys from North Dakota, or, uh, North Carolina and, and Georgia and all over there, and they um, they even had, like, seed in bins yet, too. So even a year ago, on a national scale, the guys that had grown it for seed, you know, were in, were in trouble. They, were, they, they said the same thing. We got to the meeting, like, anybody want to buy some hemp seed? And then the hurricanes came through and like wiped out all their drying barns that they had their plants hanging in. So it, it's almost like the old days of tobacco where you're, 
your risks are really high. Your costs are high and your risks are high. Very much feast or famine type. Yeah, and a third grower that Jim and I work with, he tried some in a greenhouse. So he had them in them little tiny little square plots. The, the little, little plugs. Yeah, the yeah. little plugs. Yep. And um, so he got the good idea that he wanted to give, you know, they were maybe like four inches tall. And he's like, oh, I got to give these some nitrogen. So instead of putting like drops of 28 in the little pot, the little plug itself, he put that in a tray and and that's how he's watering it too. The the roots would go through the plugs to that tray and grab water. Well, he put the 28 in the water underneath the tray. Burn the roots. It, I went back like oh, two weeks later. And I'm like, dude, where's your, they all died. Oh, like the whole, like he had what, four or five flats there. It was. Yeah, it looked like quite a bit. I mean. And they just they couldn't handle that twenty eight and just all, literally were all laying down. It looked like he had straight Roundup on them. Yeah, I thought he had just quit watering them or something. Right, they just looked all shriveled up. So <laughs> there's some learning curve there. On, on there's on just that. there's just so many ways to screw this crop up. You know, <laughs> I mean, you can buy seed from a bad dealer, and some of the dealers aren't real reputable at this point. Um, well, think of that too. The seed we're getting is. Like it's just old seed that lost eighty years of any sort of strives that we've made with advancement in seed and all that. So yeah, I mean we're using ancient seed basically. So yeah, I could see that. Keep right, going, and there, there's a there's a long way to go. You know, it, um, some of these guys will, I don't want to say fudge, but mislead on like THC numbers from the varieties that they're selling, um, and they will overblow what their their plants are capable of doing so and they can plant they can start the plant the wrong way you know instead of starting in a greenhouse and getting a, a good start they could just plant it directly and that's sometimes works sometimes doesn't um, talking CBD mostly um, they could get uh, clones and plant those and sometimes those lodge because they have a different root system on them they don't have a large tap root in there okay so there's just so many things that can go wrong with this. You know, um, they may not be able to sell it. Um, they may harvest it at the wrong moisture. Um, so it's just a so lot. What, what I'm hearing, Jim, is treat it like you're going to Vegas, right? They always say if you want to gamble, gamble the money that you can afford to lose. So maybe this is the same as if you can afford to lose some money. Expect to lose money if you want to play around with it. Right. Don't look at it as a savior. Look at it as a potential investment that you need to manage wisely. Right, right, and absolutely. Um, it's not a one-year wonder kind of fix things. It's something that you're going to need to keep learning. You're going to have to do your homework on it. You know, you have to kind of do some research and and put some work into it. So, all right. So there you go. Industrial hemp, uh, definitely some some ups and downs. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it felt like more downs, but there are some upsides. I think there's a huge upside. Uh, you that's know, what we don't want to sell. Right, there it, is a huge, upside. huge, it's huge upside, but it's but it's a huge downside. Right, it, it's an intensive management crop. It's not a, you know, it's not the set it and forget it type of thing where, you know, you're, you're guaranteed to make money off of it. So uh, manage it wisely if you're looking to get into it. Yeah, there's a lot of good resources on Dadcap's website um, that explain. You know, you need permits. You need basically all kinds of things to get started and that that would to me would be the first spot is just google um wisconsin hemp and go to dadcap's site and um it goes through all the all the fees you need you know all the how to sample it and just where to get started and looking at it. that'd be a good start start for your research uw also started um a research program kind of looking at it rodrigo Worley 
is looking at pretty heavy. So there's another more. There's going to be more um, people looking at it, more resources out there. Yeah, I think we're learning more. You know, even in the two years here, we've learned a lot from um, just the guys that have tried it, as well as UW now taking an invested look in it. So um, there's more to come. Keep your eyes peeled on it, but um, yeah, it's not a not a jump in whole hog. Let's start a hemp farm type thing. Uh, definitely, definitely take some some time and think about it. And like Jim said, do your research. Right. You guys so, talked about return on investment last week. You need to do that. Look oh yeah. at the hat hunt for this crop because you're you can lose a lot more money on this than some of your um, production crops. All right. So now we'll move on to our next segment after that lively hemp talk. So our spotlight for today is uh, a little bit self-serving, but hey, it's our podcast. We're going to take it. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll take some time to talk about our uh, new venture, and that's Tilth Research. Uh, so recently we brought in a former scout that worked with us a few years ago who did some uh, some research work down at UW and uh, Derek Potratz is our director of research. I think that's the that's title, the title yep. we gave him. Yep. So for the Tilth Research Program, so uh, Bill or Todd, you guys want to talk about the vision and goals of Tilth Research? Yeah, so um, we'll have Derek on at the podcast at some point, maybe later in the winter when he's got some got a good head wrapped around his projects that he's doing. But really the, the vision was that we're seeing that um, UW Extension – and other things are starting to fall behind on independent research. And um, we wanted to be able to offer that up to mainly our growers, uh, for sure, you know, to have that uh, resource for them and for our recommendations. And um, that was kind of the vision behind it. And we're looking to do variety trials and herbicide trials, fungicide, you know, anything that we can uh, get our hands on. Even looking more into the soil health trials or anything that way to really help um, promote some of the things we're, we are doing with cover crops and other stuff, but ways to look and, and get more research on that. And the goal is not to compete with UW because they do an extension. They do very good work. Um, so it's more to be a supplement to what they do. Um, and when they're going through this reorganization, I think they'll come out strong and and extension will do a lot, and this will be another fit for Wisconsin, hopefully, to kind of get some farmer info and get, get farmers more educated with data. Um, we go to a lot of meetings, and unfortunately what I see at meetings is less and less data being shown and more and more um, thought work, which is still good, um, or you're halfway through a study instead of all done. So the goal would be just to, to provide more data. Yep. At this point, we're looking at getting a corn planter and a combine and starting with some variety trials. we got some work lined up with some seed companies. Uh, another big thing is the biologicals. Uh, seem to be um, bacteria and, and those kinds of things, so that there's some companies putting out some products that nobody knows what the benefits are and, you know, how much the cost is and how many how many bushels you can get. So we're looking at doing some of that, too. So. Yeah, that sounds great. And, you know, I think a a big part of this is something we've all seen is in our area, there's just not as much data about where where we're working with farms as there are, you know, UW's got test plots in other parts of the state and um, it was a gap that we could fill. So, um, yeah, exciting stuff going on and stay tuned for more. So let's roll down the river. 
listen to our lovely banjo music. So today's Egg History Minute, we're going to continue talking about hemp a little bit. And so we've got an article here from 1918. And at that time, hemp had been grown in Wisconsin for about 10 years. So uh, hemp is not something new to Wisconsin. But uh, as I said earlier in the podcast, we're talking about industrial hemp. It was lumped in with marijuana, which was made illegal in the 1930s. And so that led to a decline in the hemp market as well, and is now currently being resurrected almost 100 years later, uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, so several hundred acres were grown across the state, large yields, uh, 1,200 pounds to the acre, so uh, not quite a ton at that time was, was considered a, a pretty large yield for hemp. So, What I found interesting, Matt, is reading... Uh, you jump down a couple paragraphs, and they talk about 1908, six acres were grown on an asylum farm in Mendota near Madison, and then three acres on the prison farm at Waupon. We've done some work with uh, with the Waupon State Farm down there with their corn and beans and their their dairy down there, so I thought that was interesting. It seems like uh, you know that mid part of the state to the southern part of the state is where most of it was grown uh, back then, nothing kind of north of Fond du Lac really was was being grown. So I thought that was pretty cool that it seemed like on the the prison farms where there was about the I suppose it was good labor, right? Right. Cheap labor. Yeah, and uh, from reading the article too it, it talked about how uh, you know, it was kind of a struggle at first those first 10 years. The equipment was a big issue. You know, they had some some growing pains, but by by 1918 from this of what this article was saying, it had a pretty firm footing. Um, so unfortunately, yeah, within about 12, 12 years after that article, it became illegal to grow and kind of declined from there. So, um, you know, it's exciting. There's things in the past like hops and um, now hemp that are coming, coming back, back to Wisconsin that were things that were, uh, you know, big crops back in the day. And um, so we're excited to see where it goes. All right. So even though Max is gone, we've got some connections with our outstanding in our field reporters and this week uh what do we got guys sandy klaus sandy is that sandy is that relation to um vernal vernal yeah remember we had met vernal a couple of weeks ago and he said his cousin was out in the chopper and we thought he was in a klaus chopper but it was his cousin klaus so we actually ran down we found him uh sandy klaus he is a custom harvester, which is interesting, and he's from Hills Corners, so that was a neat find. So All let's right, see I'll dial him up here, Bill. Yeah, let's call him up. Yeah. Sandy. Yeah, this is Sandy. Sandy, this is uh, Tilt Talk Radio today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. How about you? Is this uh, Max? No, Max is out today. This is you got Bill and Todd's over there, and Jim's here too. So you got all three of us today. Oh, hello. Good, good morning. How are you all doing? I thought Sandy would be a girl. No, yeah. no. no. That's sexist. Sandy is yes. a boy's name as well. <laughs> yeah. Sandy Koufax. Football player. Baseball. <laughs> Baseball. <Come> on, <laughs> I do know, you? I know. I do you not follow the baseball? 
I follow the baseball. I just can't hit it. <laughs> I love the brewers. We are down here near Milwaukee, and ooh, it's so good. The beer and the brewers and the pitching reporting February yeah. 12th. <laughs> February 12th already? Yeah, he's coming Sandy? up fast. Wow. Do you ever check out spring training? Oh, yeah. I've been down a few times. Check it out. They uh, remodeled that whole stadium. Did you get down there last year to check out the new? No, I'm very you know? excited. Oh, I'm going this year. Better uh, better take some extra cash to buy some brats. I know you like brats. Oh, yeah. The Wiener schnitzel, the brats. I love it all. With Christmas coming up, are you, are you rated to Santa Claus? or? Just... <laughs> ha, yes, no, I've, I get that a lot. Uh, c- get confused for the... The Claus, Santa Claus, I'm uh, Klaus, uh, the German name. Uh, we, b- we are very different people. How was custom harvesting this year? Was it? Uh, it, it was a challenge, you know. We had uh, the, the ruts and, uh, you know, lots of fields with uh, standing water. And so it, it was uh, great to be on some no-till fields. They were, uh, had a little bit uh, better track. Uh, that we could get across. Did you have to use dump carts all summer? Oh yeah, we had the dump carts. Uh, I tracks. Any of them got tracks on? Uh, no, none with tracks. We, we they make they make tracks, but no with tracks. Yeah, we uh, we tried uh, a few years ago. Bought a few, and uh, the last couple of years been big, big market for the dump carts. Uh, trying not to tear up the fields, though we did get a couple of them stuck this year. Is your uh, business growing, Sandy, or is it with these dairies combining? Is it shrinking? Uh, we've been lucky with with staying uh, kind of on that line of uh, we've lost a few but picked up some new ones. Uh, the the market is is very uh, variable right now. With uh, the dump carts, we are better equipped to handle some stuff that other harvesters are not. So. Well, good for you, Sandy. We appreciate the time today. Hopefully you have an awesome time at spring training. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Go Brewers. Go Brewers. Go Brewers. Go Brewers. I did it. <laughs> I wanted to say Tigers, but instead hey, I I didn't want to interrupt Sandy, but yeah, thanks for introducing me to Sandy too oh. while we were, we're on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, sorry. Right. We just... Uh, Usually you Max just said doesn't either. So no, I, I know. Should, I, should we call we him just back? Yeah. I'm starting to feel left out here. I kind of yeah. thought you went around the corner, you know, to run to the bathroom quick. So I didn't think by the time we were done with him, you'd be back in be time. Be back in time. Right. Fair enough, I guess. Large bladder. All right, now it's time for our. Uh, you applied what? What segment? did you do? So as always in this segment, we're gonna pick a active ingredient that all these chemicals have in common because you can have the same active ingredient but several different names to choose from. Uh, so it's always a good idea to read the label and follow the label when you are applying herbicide. So Bill, this week it was your turn to pick out products. Yeah, I got a good one this year, guys. Last week on our You Applied What, I think we talked about some Banville products, if I remember right. So this t- week I thought, well, let's uh, talk about um, uh, herbicide deposition agents, You know, making sure, drift agents, making sure we don't lose that that valuable herbicide that you're applying. So I went on um, the Extendamax website and I found all the things that were labeled for Extendamax. That's one thing with these new products. Um, not the, the you got to make sure that any tank mixes, you know, you're, that are approved. So you better 
look at the specific product to make sure that it is approved because not everything is approved with with all these new uh, technologies. So we have four items here. Uh, three of them are are uh, drift agents, and one of them is not. And uh, so I'll read them off and then see who's going to get it right. So interlock, eight ball. Third one is target and on point. All right. So Jim is the, the new guy. We'll give you first shot. What do you think? See, I think this one's too obvious. It's too easy. So interlock, eight ball, target on point. Three of those things are not like the other. Um, it's like Max is here. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say that the on point is a ballet term. <laughs> and I know um, Bill has some experience with ballet. He does. I so. do myself. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Or just so. funding it. Right. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with on point. Good good thought there, Jim. Thoughts right. are important. Okay, Todd, what do you think? I'll go with Target. You're going Target, so you think it's more the uh, the store? Yeah, than the yeah. 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 I, you know, I <clears throat> I don't use drugs, but I know what an eight ball is, so that one makes me suspicious. Oh, makes you suspicious. Nah, but Man. you know, I feel like. Um, Jim's right. You know, you have interlock, target, on point. Those are all, to me, on point. Like where you want, right? The chemical right, is right. on point. Um, so, so yeah, I'm going to go with eight ball. Eight ball. Todd is the ch- winner. Winner oh, chicken is. dinner. It is target. What? Yeah. Oh. Yep. That's why I picked this because I'm like, oh, target. That's like everyone would think. So target's actually a, a 24D Banville product. Okay. Oh, okay. So uh, interlock is. Yeah, we all know interlock. Yeah, that's more. a co-op right. one. Eight ball. I put it in there because I'm like, what the heck is this? You know, like, but it it's that. And then on point, I knew, I knew I'd kind of get Jim on the. <laughs> on right. That, so, so I was I was wrong for the right, right reason. reason. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. So target is not a, a deposition agent or a drift control agent. Everything else there is, even all though right. eight ball, Matt, it's it's a. It is a product yeah, for you can find it. producing. All right. Well, you learn something every day. Mm-hmm. That's why we do this. So, all right. So, there you go. If you want to keep your chemical where it belongs, those are some products you can use. Uh, and before we wrap her up for today, Todd, what's NAICC? If you like what you heard today, please find an independent crop consultant to help you on your farm. To do that, go to naicc.org. There is a member search. Um, at the top where you can find a independent crap consultant in your area. All right. So today we talked about industrial hemp, some of the ups and downs with growing that product, uh, usually for CBD or seed. We spot In our spotlight, we covered the new Tilth Research Division, and we'll hope to give you some updates on that in the future on what we're doing as far as our research end. Uh, Egg History Minute, we covered the history of hemp and how it's been around in Wisconsin for a long time, but took a big break, and now it's back. Talked to Sandy Klaus down in Hales Corners, Wisconsin, and our outstanding in our field, and some drift agents. We covered those in our You Applied What segment. So, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. And thanks, as Jim. always, yeah, thanks, Jim, for joining us today. And as always, happy farming. <laughs>